just go ahead and stand with me here tonight. And I, I want to get into God's word. I believe uh, th- this, there's something special that God wants to do here tonight. And, he, and he's already doing it. He's already beginning to minister, beginning to work miracles, beginning to heal. And let's let the Holy Spirit just finish the work here tonight. And as we turn to Acts 13, 36, I have a word that, that, that God just laid upon my heart for the church. And, and I believe that God's going to do something special. How many came expecting? Okay, you're in the right place. Acts 13, 36. We're going to read one scripture here. And as we're turning there, I want to commend and thank all the United We Can members that have been committed and consistent to their giving towards world missions. How many United We Can members do we have, huh? Praise the Lord. You know, you've seen it on the video here. You know, 95% of those individuals you've seen there were all hooked on either crack or meth or, or heroin or just, you know, messed up. Uh, but Jesus set them free, and I, and I commend you guys for your commitment towards world missions. Stay committed, stay consistent, because your monies are truly making a difference. Amen? And if you're not a United We Can member, then see your pastor, see the United We Can coordinator, and see how you can be a part of reaching people and changing lives one nation at a time. Amen? Acts 13, 36. It says, For David... After he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep and was buried with his fathers. For David, after he served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep and was buried with his fathers. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you here tonight for this wonderful opportunity to be able to just minister to your people, Lord God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that we would work together. You would give me the words of life to speak to your people and prepare every heart to be open and receptive of what you have for us here tonight. And let none of us leave the same, and it's in Jesus' name. We all say amen. Give your neighbor a big high five and say, hey, man, you look good tonight. Okay? And then I want you to tell them with a little bit of attitude, say, but I look just a little bit better. (laughs) And you can have your seat. (laughs) Amen. See, it's so important that we understand God's calling upon our life. Because it's not about us anymore. Once we come into Christ, God begins to place a calling and a purpose upon your life and my life. I mean, if if there was no reason why we, you know, should carry on or, or we didn't have no reason for our existence or, you know, we, we, we didn't have a mission to fulfill, you know, the moment we would have received Christ, wherever that might have been, whether in the church or on the streets or in our house, wherever, if we didn't have no mission or purpose to fulfill by God Almighty, then the moment we would have received Christ, we would have just had a heart attack and gone home and be with the Lord forever. But because we have a mission, 
We have a calling. We have an assignment that, that's incomplete as of now. That's why you're here tonight. That's why you're still alive. That's why, you know, that, that switchblade missed you. Come on, somebody. That's why that bullet missed you. That's why, you know, that car crash didn't kill you. That's why the crack pipe didn't take you out. That's why in the prison system, it, it, it couldn't hold you down because God's got a plan for your life. That's why you're here. You're still alive. You're still in existence. You, you, you have a calling that, that needs to be fulfilled. Because people are expecting you and I to be in the right place at the right time, speaking the right message to the right people. David was a man that served his own generation by the will of God. God wants us to make generational impacts. God, 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 God's vision for our life is it's bigger than ourselves. It's bigger than our marriage. It's bigger than our family. It's bigger than our community. It's bigger than our city. God's vision for our life is a worldwide vision because he wants to reach the world. He, he desires that all come to repentance and that none would perish, right? It's not just for one particular race or, or one particular class of people or one particular color of people. No, no, no. God wants the human race to be saved, come to repentance, and spend eternity with him. And who's he going to use to reach this world? He's going to use you and I. So God's vision for our life, it's bigger than ourselves. And if you tell me you have a vision and you say it's from God, I, I, I would say, well, how big is that vision? And if it ain't bigger than yourself, I would even go as far as the question, is it really even from God or not? Because God wants to reach this world. He wants to reach our generation. He wants us to make generational impacts. At any given time, you, you usually find three, maybe four generations at any given moment in, in time. Why, why is that? Well, because God wants us to learn from our previous generation, our forefathers, those, those that have gone before us. He wants us to learn from, from their mistakes and failures and successes. He wants us to learn and that in principles would be instilled into our life so that we can make a generational impact and that also we can instill the principles and values so that this vision will continue on and we would leave a legacy of hope for those to come in the next generation. He wants you and I to make generational impact. David was a man after God's own heart. He served his generation by the will of God. So you're here tonight because God has a beautiful plan. Even God, he's very, very particular about Generations. He even declares himself and introduces himself. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the God of generations. So he wants us to make a generation. He wants us to leave the mark of Christ wherever we go. To learn, to impact, and to leave a legacy. I thank God for our forefathers that have gone before us. The patriarchs in the word of God. Our founders and our elders and our multi the, uh, of our ministry, those that have gone before us, they have lived the life. They have shown what it is to be loyal. They have shown what it is to be committed. They have shown what it is to serve their generation and to instill the vision and to instill the word of God and instill the principles of, of, of God into our lives. And, and now it's our time to, to grab hold of everything that God has for us and to learn and to impact and to leave a legacy. 
You have a role to play. You have a, a place within the kingdom of God. You have a place within destiny, and destiny is calling you. You have a place and an assignment and something to accomplish here on this planet Earth. Why? Because there's a need. Why? 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 Because there's people that need to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ all over this world. I mean, look at Africa. Africa is on the increase of drug addiction. In the last 20 years, South Africa has been hit by a storm with drug and, and gang violence. The city that I stay in is about 6 million people. They say 15% of the population is addicted to drugs. That's a lot of drug addicts. 15% of about 6 million people. There's a community called Chatsworth. It's, it's, it's one of the, 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 the main veins and arteries of the heroin addiction that's in the city of Durban. It's a, it's a community that has over 200,000 people in it. They say just that community, 70% of the households are affected by heroin addiction. You walk in that community and you just see heroin addicts everywhere. They're everywhere. They're, they're nodding out on the street corner. They're using right in front of the, the shops and the stores. The mommy's crying herself to sleep at night, and they're just standing there with their hands in the air. What do we do? Who do we call? Can we call the government? Can we call the secular program? Can we call this organization and that organization? To send us help for our children? To send us help for our families? Who's going to help us? I mean, there's a lot of great organizations out there. A lot of great programs out there. A lot of great things that are out there that are, you know, designed to systematically try to help people. But my friend, the church is the only organization that has the power to change a human heart. It is by the power of God. And only the church has that power. I'm not just talking about the building. I'm talking about you and I. We have the power to work through us, to see lives reached and changed and raised up for God's honor and God's glory. So what, what does Bill Heibel say? He says, he says that, well, if the church is the only organization that has the power to change a human heart, then the church is the future of the world. It's the future hope of this world. Destiny, being in the right place at the right time, speaking the right message to the right people. Because lives are in the balance. Well, let's bring it to a little bit closer to, to home here. I mean, I, I, I've been in the States now for about a month now. I, I was on the East Coast for a couple weeks, and I was in Colorado for almost two weeks. And it's good to see my, my brother right here. I seen him in Colorado. Come on, somebody. And all I heard and seen was the need. I seen, and I was in Philadelphia, and I seen on the street, the main road of the street, going to the church, a heroin addict that just fixed heroin, standing up. He, he had a bicycle in between his legs that was falling over, and he was just knotted out, standing up. 
I come to Colorado, and, and all, I, all I hear and see is, is how, you know, crime and drugs and violence is on the increase. I mean, they just passed, what, the legalization of marijuana there. Here in the Bay Area, I come here, and all I hear about is murders that are killings that are taking place. It seems like, you know, everything of the enemy is on the increase. It seems like the enemy is winning. It seems like the devil is prevailing. But my friend, that's only a sure sign that God is getting ready to do something powerful. Because the devil, he doesn't win. If you read the end of the book, come on, somebody. We are on a winning team. The devil's a loser. But he might seem like he's winning at times. But God's just setting the stage for revival to take place. For the power of God to be released from heaven. The light of God to shine in the dark. When the light shines, the darkness has got to flee. If you, if, if you, you know, watch the sunrise in the morning, right before the sun rises, the hour before is the darkest moment of the entire night. All throughout the night, it's dark, but the, right before the sun rises, it gets even darker. And then all of a sudden, you see the, the, the sun begin to poke his head over the horizon, and you see the sun rise. So what, what does that mean? Well, it means this, that right before it gets good, it's going to get real bad sometimes. But if we just keep pressing through, if we find our place within the call of God and we shine the light through us of Jesus Christ into a dark world, my friend, God is setting the stage for a revival to take place in our city, our nation, and all over the world. This is not a time to give up. It's not a time to, to shy away. It's not a time to say, well, that's just for them or that's just for the pastors or that's just for the leaders or that's just for that church or, or that organization. No, no, no. God is calling every single one of us to find our place and to get our hands busy and to reach souls like never before. You might have just came into this church. You might have came to the drama-rama. You might have just got saved just a couple of weeks ago. Well, my friend, uh, you might be sitting there saying, well, this ain't for me. God can't use a person like me. He can't use somebody that, you know, just got saved. Well, yes, he can. He's got you here for a reason. You're here because God has a plan for your life. You are the perfect candidate for God to use. You might think that you're the most le least likely candidate. You might think you're the least likely choice of God. How is God going to use a person like me? Don't you know what I went through? Don't you know how I was raised? Don't you know what happened to me? Don't you know what I've done? Don't you know anything about my life? Well, I might not know, but God knows. And God, he chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chooses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chooses the least likely candidate to do something powerful. He chooses the ordinary to do extraordinary things. He chooses people like you and I. See, sometimes we might think it's just about, well, God just uses superstars. You got to have all the charisma. You got to have all the giftings. You got to have all the, you know, lingo, the Christian lingo. You got to have it all together. And, and, and then God can use you. No, no, no. God uses ordinary people like you and I. 
to do extraordinary things. Especially if you think you're the least likely candidate. He specializes in people like you. You might feel like you're the underdog. You might feel like you could never do anything. Or you don't have it. God says, that's the person I want. I want you. I want you. Because he uses people that completely depend upon him. He uses ordinary people just like you and I to do extraordinary things. Because there's giants that are trying to defy the armies of God. They're trying to defy the people of God. They're trying to, to defy the church at large. There's, there's giants of drug addiction. There's giants of violence. There's giants of immorality. There's giants of witchcraft. There's giants of, you know, homosexuality. There's giants of pornography. There's giants of, you know, that are trying to destroy God's people and God's creation. And, and, and they're coming out to the battlefield, my friend. And they're, and they're defying God. And they're defying the people of God. And they're saying, who's going to come and, and fight me? Just like it was in the, in the days of, of when, when young David, he was a, just a young teenager, and his father, you know, sent him to go to the battlefield, and he shows up with some cheese and was going to get a report of the battle that was supposed to be raging and the battle that was supposed to be happening, you know, from his brothers and, and the armies of God against the Philistines, the enemies of God. And he shows up, and, and what he sees is the armies of the enemies of God, the Philistines on one side, the giant called Goliath in the middle defying the people of God and the people of God paralyzed with fear on the other side. And he begins to say, well, what's happening here? I, there's supposed to be a battle raging. There's supposed to be, you know, the, the, the enemies of God being, you know, torn down and, and the giants being silenced. But I just see the people of God being paralyzed with fear. So he shows up and, and he goes, well, what's going to be done for the man that downs the giant? Because, you know, uh, my God is a big God. You know, he might come with me for, with a sword and a spear and a shield, but I come in the name of the Lord of hosts, and today that giant is going to be down. His brothers, you know, began to mock him. His leader, the King Saul, began to mock him and say, man, you're just a youth, you know. What are you even doing here? This giant, he's been a, a warrior since his youth. What are you going to do? He says, well, if you just knew, you know, what, what, what God has done before, you know, there was a lion that came and he tried, I was just in the shepherd's field. I was just tending the sheep. I was just being faithful. I was just doing what God called me to do. And all of a sudden a lion came and he began to snatch a sheep out of my hand. But I chased after that lion. I grabbed him by the beard and I chopped his head off. And even a bear came and the same scenario, he came and he, and, and he snatched a sheep out of my hands, but I chased after that bear, I grabbed him by the beard, and I chopped his head off. So if God did it before, then God's going to do it again today with this giant that's trying to defy the armies of God. There's a voice in the inner cities that's just trying to mock and ridicule. 
and trying to intimidate and pump fear and inject fear into, into people's lives and into the church at large to try to paralyze them to say, you ain't going to do nothing in my city. You ain't going to do nothing in my neighborhood. You ain't going to do nothing in these people's lives. I got them right where I want them. In chains, in shackles, bound and headed straight to hell. What are you going to do? Well, my friend, I believe God is doing something all over the world. It might seem like the enemy's prevailing, but God's just setting a stage for revival to take place. See, revival starts in the church. Revival starts with the believer. When the believer is revived, when the believer is filled and overflowing with a fresh fire and a fresh anointing that overflows into the lost world, my friend, then we see souls saved all over the world and we silence that giant. Because revival, it, it annihilates and destroys, you know, uh, complacency. It, it annihilates and destroys apathy. It annihilates and destroys fear. It annihilates and destroys these things that try to keep the church back from doing what it's been called to do. It's been called to make an impact. I, I love Pastor Seven. Don't make an impression, make an impact. Leave the mark of Christ wherever you go. Serve your generation by the will of God. Learn, impact, leave a legacy. Silence the giant. Silence the voice of the enemy. By your life, being a weapon in God's hands. If you look at the life of David, now most people, you know, we preach about David and his courage and his heart and, 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 you know, his life. And, and David was an awesome man of God. But tonight, I want, I want to just turn the angle a little bit, get you to look at the, the glass that maybe is not half empty, but it's half full, get you to look at through a different lens, a different perspective, because David, he was a man of God, but also he was a foreshadow of Christ. He was a type of Christ in the Old Testament. So if he is a type of Christ in the Old Testament, and the Bible says that the Lord is a warrior, and the Lord is his name. And see, you and I, we're the weapons in God's hands. The Bible even says that, that we are battle axes in the hands of the master warrior. We are weapons of warfare to, to down giants and to, and to go into the enemy's camp and begin to silence the enemy and begin to push back the darkness to, to introduce the light and expel the darkness. God is raising up weapons of warfare to make an impact in their generation. But if you look at what down the giant, it wasn't a sword, it wasn't a spear. It wasn't a battle axe. David even tried. He said, you know, King Saul, he, he gave him his armor and he gave him his weapons. And, 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 and David, just being a young teenager, you know, he puts on the, the mail. He took, puts on the, the, the armor. He puts on, you know, the shield and the sword. And he, and he tries to, you know, walk and maneuver and, and, and tries to, you know, act like he's going to fight. He says, no, no, no I, I, I can't use these weapons. He takes it off. And he goes down. 
into the valley, into the brook. And the Bible says, in chapter 17 of 1 Samuel, he says, David went down and he chose five smooth stones. He went down and he chose five smooth stones. He let go of the conventional weapons that would normally be used to show up in a battlefield. He let go of the sword. He let go of the armor. He let go of the shield. He went down into the valley and he chose five smooth stones. David, he showed up to a sword fight with a handful of rocks. What normal people would use in a battle, the sword, the spear, the shield, the armor. David said, no, no, I don't want conventional weapons because today God's going to get the glory. You might come to me with a sword and a spear and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of the host, and today the battle is the Lord's, and you're going down, giant. He showed up to a sword fight with a handful of rocks. Unconventional weapons. Who in their right mind would show up to a sword fight with a handful of rocks? Nobody in their right mind, right? (laughs) I probably wouldn't. I probably would have got the stiletto. I probably would have got the 9 millimeter. I probably would have had the MAC-10. I would have, you know, had the AK-47. You know, I would have got some conventional weapons to fight the fight. But God said, no, 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 no. It's kind of like Gideon. You got 37,000 people, you know, take them to the brook and I'm going to test them. I'm going to call out those that are afraid and keep those that might be a possibility. No, 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 that's, that's too many. 22,000, you know, that's too many. You still got 10,000. No, 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 no. You, you go down to the river and, and just, you know, see how they drink the water. Some, you know, got down, just put their face in it. But some, you know, you know, lapped up the water like this, you know, and those that did that were 300. The other thousands, you know, went home. See, God does things that blows our mind. Why? Because he's going to get all the glory. It's not going to be about you and I and how charismatic and how anointed and and how, you know, we got all these abilities and, and how we can do this or do that. No, God's just looking for a surrendered vessel that's saying, I'm going to trust you, God. I know I have a place within the kingdom, God. I know that I can be a channel for your anointing to flow through. I know I can't do it on my own. With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I'm going to keep an I can attitude. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not going to be about us. It's going to be about God. Unconventional weapons. It reminds me so much about our ministry. Our ministry is unique and it's not like other ministries. I mean, I I, I don't bash the church at large. I, I don't talk about our ministries. I just know that our ministry is unique. <laughs> we, you know, 
We are those foolish things that are going to shame the wise. We are those weak things that are going to shame the strong. We are those unconventional weapons that God is choosing in the brook, in the valley. And he's saying, I'm going to use you. You might be just a rock. You might just be a stone. But I'm going to choose you. I'm going to get you out. And I'm going to throw you and launch you out at a slate giant's. The world might look at you and just say, you would never amount to nothing. Maybe even your family said, this guy ain't going to do nothing in life. He's the most least likely to succeed. She's going to be just like her prostitute mama. But my friend, tonight God is saying, I chose you. I saved you. I've got a purpose for you. You are that rock that I'm raising up and I'm going to launch out to slay giants. Unconventional weapons. Rocks in a sword fight. I'll never forget this analogy by Pastor Steve. He says, Victor Outreach is like the turtle on the fence. Victory Outreach is like the turtle on the fence. I don't know about you, but have you ever seen a turtle on a fence? I've never seen a turtle on a fence. I've never even thought about a turtle climbing up on a fence. I never can, I can't even imagine a turtle on the fence. But I guarantee you this, if you've seen one, it would stop you dead in your tracks. It would have you cross your arms and say, how in the world did that happen? How in the world did that turtle get from down there to up there? Well, my friend, when God raises you up, uh, he's going to raise you up to be like a turtle on the fence, and the world is going to stop dead in their tracks, and they're going to say, how in the world did that happen? And that's when God is going to say, it's because of my power. It's because of my glory. It's because of my purpose for my people's lives. I'm going to raise them up and launch them out to slay giants all over the world. Come on, give God a praise. I want you to look to your neighbor and say, you are that turtle on a fence. You are the rock in the hands of the master. He chose five smooth stones. Now, the Bible clearly says that he went down the valley. He chose five smooth stones. Now, if you know anything about a brook, a river, and the mountains, I know we got, you know, we might call them mountains here, but they're hills compared to Colorado. <laughs> Those were mountains. <laughs> Those stones that, that were in the bottom of the valley in the brook, they were smooth. But if you understand, you know, how things happen through time and archaeology and just the process of, you know, a rock becoming smooth, it didn't start out smooth. It started out actually at the top of the mountain. And when the spring began to run and the snow began to melt, 
and the water began to flow. Those rocks actually began to turn and tumble from the top to the bottom. They were rough. And became smooth. They were in the process. Tossed and turned. Tumbling. Rubbing. Rough. But just going through the process. Humbling. Humbling. The top. Humbling. at the right time for the warrior to come and choose those five smooth stones. See, there's a process for your life. There's a process that God will take you through. And not everybody's process is the same. So some of our journeys are different. But I guarantee you this, God will take you through a process. Don't run from the process because the process is good for you. Don't run from the fire of God because the fire is good for you. Don't run from God's process and God's purpose for your life because it's just for your good and it's for the good of others because he's smoothing you out uh, as iron sharpens iron. So a brother sharpens his brother. He wants a rock that is smooth. He wants a rock that's on the cutting edge. He wants a rock that is sticking it out through the process to be in the right place at the right time so the master can choose him. That doesn't mean you have to have it all together. It just means you got to be in the process. You got to stay in the brook. (laughs) Those rocks weren't on the ground. They were in the brook. Anytime you read about a brook or river or water in the the word of God, it's either talking about the word of God or the presence of God. They were in the word of God. In the process. God's changing them. God's preparing them. God's getting them ready. And as they humble themselves and submit to a mighty God, it's just a matter of time. Because the master's already waiting. But time will tell if you're going to be in the right place at the right time for God to choose you and say, this is my smooth stone that I'm going to slay some giants with. They've stuck it out. They've gone through the process. They've let God change them. They let God prepare them. And they're in the right place. They're in the presence of God. They're in the word of God. They're holding on to the promises of God. They're not letting go. They're not getting distracted. They're not getting diverted. They're in God's perfect will. And my friend, it's just a matter of time before God says, it's your time, my friend. Come here, my rock, because I'm going to slay some giants. Give God a great praise. He's going to raise you up to silence that enemy, to silence the giants. He's going to raise you up to make an impact in your generation and beyond. It's just a matter of time. Stay in the process. Because he's going to choose you. That's why you're here. It's your time. I want the worship team to come on up.
See, these stones were in the valley. They were smooth, but they were in the valley. See, 99.9% of the time, God will not choose you and I when we're having our mountaintop experiences. You got you to gotta get this. Because this is what separates the good from the great. This is what separates those that do something for God and those that just want to do or talk about doing something for God. God, 99.9% of the time, will not choose you when you're having your mountain topics. He'll choose you in the valley. <laughs> when it's inconvenient. When we're going through hard times. When it seems like every devil from hell has been released upon our life to attack us, to hit us, to try to discourage us, to try to divert us from our calling and purpose in the valley. Sometimes it's the lowest point of your life after getting saved. You know why God does that? He does it because he can only use somebody that's fully submitted and dependent upon him. You want to slay giants? You got to be surrendered. You want to be a weapon in God's hands? You got to be submitted. You, even when you don't understand it. Even when you say, oh man, God, this, this, this is not the right time, God. I don't know why my phone's ringing. I don't know why you're calling me right now. But, I, you know, I, I'm really tempted to just, you know, hit reject or hit, you know, dismiss the call because this is not a good time, God. Don't you see what I'm going through? Don't you see the attacks upon my life? Don't you see people talking about me? Don't you see I'm, I'm discouraged? Don't you see that, you know, I, just, I ain't got no money in the bank account? I ain't got no money in my pocket? Don't you see I, I ain't got it all together? What are you saying? You know what? That's the person I want. Because if you can fully depend upon God, you can be a weapon in his hands. He's not looking for somebody that's got it all together. He's not looking for somebody that can do it on their own because it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the spirit of the living God. That's what's going to slay giants. We're just rocks in his hand. We're not the warrior. Jesus is the warrior. But he's looking. Five smooth stones. I want you to stand with me here tonight. <clears throat> he chose smooth stones that were in the valley, but he chose five. Why did he choose five? Well, a lot of commentaries say it's because Goliath had brothers that he was afraid that we're going to come after him if he slayed their brother. That's true. I believe that. But I also believe that the warrior was teaching us something. He went down to the river, to the valley. He chose five 
smooth stones. See, five to me, it reminds me of the fivefold ministry. It reminds me of the apostles and the prophets and the pastors and the teachers and the evangelists. And if you read Ephesians 4, that whole chapter, where it's talking about the fivefold ministry, it's talking about team ministry. See, God's choosing teams to do something great for his honor, to slay giants, to impact their generation. And I guarantee you tonight, you're a part of a local team. You're a part of a national team. And you're a part of an international team that's all over the world. You're a part of a winning team. You have a place within the team. But my question for you tonight, are you in? <laughs> have you joined the team? Have you said, you know what? God, I'm going to join the team. I have value to add to the table. I have value to add to the team. I know you can use my life. I know you have a purpose for me. Are you a part of the team? winning team that's doing something great. Even though he only, you know, slung one rock out of five, it's all right. Maybe the other four said, why didn't he use me? Well, maybe that wasn't your giant, but your giant is to come. <laughs> Pastor Steve would always say, it doesn't matter who does the job. As long as the job gets done, just know that you're on a team. Just know that you might be a part of the bench. Just know that your time is coming. And you might feel like you're on the shelf, but my friend, you might be just still in the process. But sooner or later, God's going to say, it's your giant to slay. It's your time to be launched out. It's your time to do what I've called you to do. I want you to lift your hands. Lift your hands. God is calling people here tonight to be a part of the team, to be a part of what God is doing all over the world, starting right here in the heart of the bay. So what I want you to do, I don't want nobody coming to the altar right now, but I want you to just lift your hands and I want us to sing this song. And I want you to really reflect and evaluate your life. Can I be better? And can I do more? Lift your hands, sing this song. And there is Lift power your hands, sing this song. In the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. And there is power in the name of Jesus. Miracle working power. To break every chain, break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. You're a rock in the warrior's hand. Break every chain. You're gonna slay giants. Break every chain. You're gonna silence the enemy's power. There is power. Break chains. In the name of Jesus. It's through His power. It's through His power. There is power. It's through His power. In the name of Jesus. There is power. In the name of Jesus, to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Tonight what I want to do is I want to invite those that are saying, and 
And it's not going to just be another Wednesday night altar call, not just another, you know, service altar call. I'm going to go out there because, you know, the preacher man's asking me to. Or I'm going to go out there because my friend's, you know, going up there. So I'm going to go out there. No, no, no. Tonight, I want those that are saying, I'm serious about serving God. And I, I know God has something in store for my life. And I want to be that weapon of warfare in the hand of the master. I want to play my part within the team. I want to do what God's called me to do. And I'm serious about this. If that's you here tonight, then I want you to come. I want you to come. Join the team. Join the team. Join the winning team.